Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading is comes from Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is change. Change has been difficult in my life, but absolutely essential. As children, we clung to our dysfunctional families, praying that they wouldn't abandon us because that, of all possible changes, would be devastating. As adults, we continued to cling to life as we knew it, We resisted change because it brought up so many issues and questions for us. Eventually, we realized that our families left us long ago, both emotionally and spiritually, even if they didn't do it physically. With this knowledge came a shift in how we wanted to live our lives, and we made way for change. Uh, Taking a pause on this part is, you know, one of the things that I've learned, you know, over the last couple years is... Um, you know, it just reminds me of the, uh, I think it was John Bradshaw's line in Homecoming when he says, the thing that you feared most being abandoned already happened as an eight-year-old. So it's like already happened. And I think, you know, I was talking with someone earlier today about, you know, we go from hurting to healing to helping. I think part of that hurting is to, you know, realize that that abandonment happened um, and to you know, kind of accept that and um, that there's really not anything left to do. And I think that's where the powerlessness comes from. Back to the reading. In ACA, we see our separation from family as a new opportunity for growth. We may still attend get-togethers, but when we understand that our changing selves are no longer welcome in the same way, our longing for the old-time lessons. As we learn to take personal inventory on a regular basis, uh, I would remind myself probably daily, we a lot more space for positive changes and more room for a higher power. We view our past with a clearer lens, and we recognize the awesome benefits we reap from our new ACA lives. We gratefully acknowledge that our higher power is doing for us what we could not have done on our own. I've had several moments of this, and I love this part, and I'm going to read it one more time. We gratefully acknowledge that our higher power is doing for us what we could not have done on our own. We begin to see life as an adventure. We credit change as the motivating device that brings joy, the greatest of human feelings. On this day, I will see that when I no longer resist change, happiness and serenity will follow. Yeah, and I think that having a limited range, uh, Tony A., the, uh, one of the founders, one of the original founders of ACA, I think, and talked about in his book, The Laundry List, about a limited range of feelings. And what I realized was you don't feel the sadness, you don't feel the joy, you just kind of feel numb. And, you know, I think what my time in recovery and spiritual growth has shown is changes oftentimes for the better. It could be adventurous, it could be unpredictable, and having to know sometimes reduces all the joy. Um you know, and, and having to constantly assess and, you know, joy being the greatest of human feelings is something that everyone, including myself, deserve. Next reading, Solution, Gentleness, also from Strengthening My Recovery. We learn to reparent ourselves with gentleness, humor, love, and respect. How do we reparent ourselves with gentleness if roughness or even cruelty was a staple of our childhoods? 
As we grew, we may not have felt capable of kindness toward ourselves because our critical inner parent has always in our head saying things like, you fool, your life's a mess, and you're to blame. It's an interesting point because I was like, I don't ever remember a time when, you know, that critic emerged where he's like, it's all right. You'll go to get them next time. It's always like, you should have done it sooner. You should have done this. And I think, you know, a question in one of the programs that I belong to is how does this serve me? And this constant negativity and forcing is just, it's not getting the job done. It, the job is getting done or whatever job is getting done is getting done in spite of it. And it's not a fun way to, to go through things. And I think the other thing is sometimes maybe either not seeing kindness demonstrated or portraying these things as gentleness, humor, love, and respect as things that aren't as important as maybe performance. I mean, I think I look at these four terms, gentleness, humor, love, and respect. And I think Kathy Lip wrote a book on the four Ps or bullies, perfectionism, procrastination, performanceism. And, you know, I can't, the, the fourth one escapes me, but uh, those are bullies. And, you know, to live this new way of life requires gentleness, humor, love, and respect uh, with, with myself and with others. Back to the reading. But we knew we wanted to treat ourselves better. We wanted desperately to have an inner voice shift to something kinder, like have a cup of tea with me and tell me what's wrong. In ACA, we learned that if we can catch our critical inner parent at work, we could shift gears and try to do the opposite. Ooh, I like this. I work with, uh, you know, someone I've interviewed on a, on a, another podcast that I do, um, Unconventional Thinkers, Lu Lucia Capiccioni. And she has uh, a lot of the work we do centers around externalizing the inner critic and really understanding that that critic isn't you. It's just some amalgamation. And, you know, when I'm criticizing myself, or someone else. That's not me either. That's my critical parent. And that's, as Alice Miller coined, the, used the word interject. It was the first time I'd ever heard that. I had to like look that up in a dictionary. Um, and that's not me. So back to the reading. When we feel criticized, we can hit the whoa button and stop ourselves from joining in the frenzy. We can tell ourselves, I can't do better than my best, so I will simply do my best right now. Ooh, I like that. I can't do better than my best, so I will simply do my best right now. Reminds me of John Wooden and competitive greatness, and I love John Wooden. Um, anyways, that could be a future episode. We can even teach ourselves techniques that help calm us down in these situations, like changing our visual image of another person from someone who is menacing to perhaps a kindly cartoon character. I am so glad I do this podcast. I would not have read this idea, this is brilliant. I'm turning some people in my life into cartoon characters, starting at one, three, two, one. Anyways, back to the reading. We can even teach ourselves techniques that help calm us down in these situations, like changing our visual image of another person from someone who's menacing to perhaps a kindly cartoon character. I like that, so I had to read it again. Something this simple can help us get through the critical patches. On this day, I will treat my inner child and myself to 20 minutes alone over a fresh cup of tea or a glass of juice so we can just listen to each other. The third reading uh, also comes from Strengthening My Recovery, and then we will move to Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the subject is progress. To make progress, we must want the ACA way of life and all that it has to offer. Many of us faithfully go to our weekly meeting and feel we are working our program. 
we recognize that ACA has helped us make positive changes in our lives, but our enthusiasm isn't the same as it was, as it once was, and there doesn't seem to be much change happening anymore. Yes, there are certainly other things we like to fix in our lives, but it's just not happening. While we appreciate the honesty that happens in our meeting, we're starting to think the program is no longer working for us, that it might be time to move on to something else. If we find ourselves thinking these thoughts, it may be time for an inventory. Do we have an active relationship with a higher power? Do we have a sponsor fellow traveler we can talk to regularly for support and guidance? Do we go to other meetings, maybe even phone or internet meetings to get a fresh perspective? Have we done service work to step out of our comfort zone? If we answer no to these questions, maybe it's not the program that's not working. Maybe we're not seeing the full potential of the program. On this day, I will reevaluate my commitment to how I work the program because I know it works for me when I work it and I'm worth it. What I really love about this is there was four questions. Active relationship with a higher power. Do we talk to a sponsor or fellow traveler? Do we go to meetings? Have we done service work? All of these are the opposite of isolation and it's connection. And it just shows me that I don't have to deserve this greatest gift of 12-step rooms. It is truly one of the most wonderful gifts of my life. And I'm just very grateful, you know, after reading this passage. That concludes the strengthening my recovery part. Now we will move on to the language of letting go by Melody Beatty. The topic is recognizing feelings. Experiencing feelings can be a challenge if we've had no previous experience or permission to do that. Wow, just one sentence in, and I just really appreciate the um, just the kindness in the message and common sense part because sometimes when people say feel your feelings, I'm not sure exactly what that means. I wasn't necessarily encouraged, and um, it's different, but, you know, like they said, it can be a challenge. It doesn't say it's impossible. It's just it says it can be a challenge. Learning to identify what we're feeling is a challenge we can meet, but we will not become experts overnight, nor do we have to deal with our feelings perfectly. Here are some ideas that might be helpful as you learn to recognize and deal with feelings. Take a sh- out a sheet of paper on the top of it, right? If it was okay to feel whatever I'm feeling and I wouldn't be judged as bad or wrong, what would I be feeling? then write whatever comes to mind. You can also use the favorite standby of many people in discovering their feelings, writing or journaling. I do step work and I do Julia Cameron and I can always write more. So I just, I love this. I love Melody, baby. (laughs) I think I say that once a podcast. You can keep a diary, write letters you don't intend to send. Brilliant. Or just scribble thoughts onto a notepad. Brilliant. Watch and listen to yourself as an objective third person might. Listen to your tone of voice and the words you use. What do you hear? Sadness? Fear? Anger? Happiness? What is your body telling you? Is it tense and rigid with anger? Running with fear? Heavy with sadness and grief? Dancing with joy? Talking to people in recovery helps too. Going to meetings helps. Once we feel safe, many of us find that we open up naturally and with ease to our feelings. We are on a continual treasure hunt in recovery. One of the treasures we're seeking is the emotional part of ourselves. We don't have to do it perfectly. We need only be honest, open, and willing to try. Our emotions are there, waiting to share themselves with us. Today, 
I will watch myself and listen to myself as I go through my day. I will not judge myself for what I'm feeling. I will accept myself. Um, she has great, great writings. This one I will be coming back several times. The next reading is the topic is accepting imperfection. Why do I do this to myself? Asked a woman who wanted to lose weight. I went to my support group feeling so guilty and ashamed because I ate a half a cookie that wasn't on the diet. I found that everyone cheats a little and some people cheat a lot. I felt so ashamed before I came to my group as though I were the only one not doing my diet perfectly. Now I know that I'm dieting as well as most and better than some. Uh, yeah, this kind of rings close to home, particularly early on. Um, actually, a lot better about this. And I'm not talking about the diet. I'm talking about the... Uh, Imperfect, accepting imperfection part. Why do we do this to ourselves? I'm not talking strictly about dieting. I'm talking about life. Why do we punish ourselves by thinking that we're inferior while believing that others are perfect, whether in relationships, recovery, or a specific task? It is a privilege to read this lady. Whether we're judging others or ourselves, it's two sides of the same coin. Perfection. Neither ex expectation is valid. It's far more accurate and beneficial to tell ourselves that who we are is okay and what we are doing is good enough. I mean, especially relative to six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, three years ago. Again, I'm going to re read this. It is far more accurate and beneficial to tell ourselves that who we are is okay and what we are doing is good enough. That doesn't mean we won't make mistakes that need correcting. Doesn't mean we won't get off track from time to time. Doesn't mean we can't improve. It means with all our mistakes and wandering, we're basically on course. Encouraging and improving of ourselves is how we help ourselves stay on track. Today, I will love and encourage myself. I will tell myself that what I'm doing is good enough, and I'll let myself enjoy that feeling. And the final reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is 12-step programs. I was furious when I found myself at my first Al-Anon meeting. It seemed so unfair that he had the problem and I had to go to a meeting. But by the time I had nowhere left in the world to go with my pain. Wow, that's how I felt about all 12-step rooms. Now I'm grateful for Al-Anon and my codependency recovery. Al-Anon keeps me on track. Recovery has given me a life. Wow, recovery has given me a life. That's how I feel. There are many 12-step programs for codependents, Al-Anon, Adult Children of Alcoholics, CODA, Families Anonymous, Naranon, and more. We have many choices about which kind of group is right for us and which particular group in that category meets our needs. 12-step groups for codependents are free, anonymous, and available in most communities. If there's not one that is right for us, we can start one. 12-step groups for codependents are not about how we can help the other person. They're about how we can help ourselves grow and change. They can help us accept and deal with ways codependency has affected us. They can help us get on track and stay there. There is magic in 12-step programs. There is healing power in connecting with other recovering people. We access this healing power by working the steps and by allowing them to work on us. The 12 steps are a formula for healing. Healing, how to live life how to be in right relationship with ourselves, others, higher power. It's just amazing. And I'm just now starting to learn some of this stuff. Back to the reading. How long do we have to go to meetings? We go until we get the program. We go until the program gets us. 
Then we keep on going and growing. Selecting a group and then attending regularly are important ways we can begin and continue to take care of ourselves. Actively participating in a recovery group by working the steps is another. I will be open to the healing power available to me from the 12 steps in a recovery program. And it just, it's a good reminder that uh, I'm on the right track. And that concludes this episode of Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Until next time, this is Kawan reminding myself to pause because that's where God is, to love myself, and to feel my feelings.